This week's podcast is sponsored by Direction. Good afternoon and welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, and joining me as always is Arusha Pires, a portfolio manager over at O'Neill Global Advisors. How are you doing, Arusha? I'm doing well, Justin. Okay, well, we've got a great show for you. We're going to be talking a little bit about whether this is a return of the rally, but before we do that, we're going to have a little return of the producers. Uh, both Ali Corum and Alexis Garcia have acted as our producers at one time or another for the Investing with IBD show. So it's great to welcome them back. Uh, but in this case, they're going to be in the hot seat uh, instead of behind the scenes because they are fresh off of a venture to Las Vegas for the CES show. And we're hoping that they can share some of the things that they learned from different companies there. So welcome to the show, ladies. Yeah, well, it's great so to be back. Great to be back. Turning the tables on us. Right, awesome. exactly. Yeah, so you, you did a lot of interviews and everything like that. So Allie, um, of course, you know, is our multimedia content editor. Alexis Garcia is our multimedia content reporter. And they were tag teaming it. Uh, you know, a lot of interviews that you had. And uh, even even better, you got to go to a lot of booths and just check it out. It was a very different experience uh, for CES than the last two years. So Allie, maybe you can share a little bit about what it was like. Yeah, it was really great going back to the conference because we had COVID and then an off year. So this was our first time back in a couple of years. Alexis and I were actually in Vegas in January of 2020 before the world changed. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. But it, yeah, great to be back at the show. And I've been covering CES since 2015. So I've really seen changes over that time. Uh, what industries or sectors or themes or innovations are really starting to get more play as things change over time. So this year, uh, no surprise, had all of the eye candy. We also spoke with a lot of really great executives and even some surprising themes that you wouldn't expect at a tech conference like Caterpillar and Veer, uh, two companies the IBD audience, of course, is very interested in hearing from. So some great insights from those executives too. Mm -hmm. And Alexis, how long have you been uh, going to CES now? And what were what were your initial thoughts, uh, this one compared to others that you've been to? Well, actually, the, the one in 2020 that Ali mentioned was my first experience at CES. And okay. then we tried to cover it virtually last year. But mm -hmm. it was great to be back in person. And, uh, you know, we didn't make it to see the $10,000 toilet. But um, oh, wow. I, did not, I did not hear about that one. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, all that anyone was asking me about. But um, no, it was really interesting in talking to some of the folks beforehand. Um, you know, you really see uh, the footprint of the automotive sector really taking over that right. show. I think you know, one of our, the guests that we talked to, if you think about how, uh, you know, Apple kind of redefined what a smartphone is, I think that's kind of what you're starting to see with uh, cars right now. So I think that was really interesting. And also just a lot of how artificial intelligence and machine learning is being applied across all these sectors. I think everyone we spoke to brought up uh, some sort of AI initiative that they're working on. So that was really interesting. And again, I think the other big thing uh, that we saw kind of emerge last year, but carry over to this year was the metaverse. Um, mm -hmm. This is happening. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so we saw some really interesting use cases, uh, you know, of this, I, I think now as this uh, technology is, is maturing a little bit, 
trying, starting to see a little bit more legit use cases. Um, I was able to demo the WebEx hologram glasses from Cisco. So you could yeah. uh, have a virtual meeting, show 3D renders. Uh, it, it was pretty cool. It didn't seem gimmicky at all. Um, so yeah, I think those were the two big things that stood out in my mind. Okay, so so maybe we should dig. I mean, there, there's a lot thrown out there for, from both <laughs> yeah. of you. Yeah, what didn't uh, we cover? I, mean, I know, I know. Like, it was it was on the <laughs> surface. Though. Let's go a little deeper. Yeah. Maybe, maybe start out with the the caterpillar and deer because uh, I remember. Just oh, I get it. Away. Dig deeper. I, I get it. I, <laughs> there I, I, you I'm go. with you. Just just start out with that because I, I remember last year just being amazed at how advanced they got. You know, walk us through what you mm -hmm. saw in both of their booths. Yeah, so Deer was there in 2020, and okay. and we interviewed an executive there. But but that was like, wow, Deer is at CES. Uh, <laughs> before that, that was that was kind of unheard of. And so they were uh, back and bigger and better than ever with uh, one of their machines that can spray crops. It has like these huge wings on it, basically, and all of these lasers, and can get really into the nitty gritty of what is a plant, what is a weed, and really helps. Uh, one of the things that they were saying is it can help reduce, I believe it was like fertilizer use by up to 60% by wow. being able to get so precise. So clearly there's cost savings for the farmers there. There's environmental impacts to that as well. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and then Caterpillar, they had this huge mining truck there. Guys, I honestly don't even know how they fit it in the building. Like, obviously, <laughs> they, they brought it in through the loading dock, but this thing was massive. We'll have to post a picture uh, on Twitter, or I, I know we're going to be having a TikTok video that may incorporate some footage from the Caterpillar booth. But Lexi, I mean... The, yeah, we'll the get scale a bit, of this I know this is audio. Massive. Yeah, we'll get visual, but I, I think I was, you know, I'm like five foot seven. I think the tire was twice the height I was. No and um, yeah, it was absolutely incredible. And I, I think with those two booths, it was really interesting to see how autonomous technology mm -hmm. is really coming into that kind of industrial sector. Um, the other thing that was cool about the Caterpillar booth is they had setups there where you could go in, you know, put on a headset, you know, it was almost like playing a video game, but you yeah. could actually operate one of their machines that was like 2000 miles yeah, away in Arizona. In and they yeah, showed it was, the live footage of it. It was, it so, was really so is that how is that how it's going to work? You're going to have people remotely and they're controlling the machines or are the machines just going to kind of be like a Roomba and just do their thing. I mean, I talk about working from home, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it, you can see this being applied like maybe I'm sitting here in my living room operating a mining machine in Australia that's digging for lithium or something. Um, oh. You know, you're really kind of starting to see the emergence of those applications. And it's it's all um, you know, it seems very science fiction, -y, but it, it's happening mm -hmm. right now. Right. What's and I, I was just going to say, just like with cars, you're seeing different levels of autonomy. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. kind of the same thing. Is it that assistance where you can take over or is it fully automated? You don't need a human there. Is the human offsite? So I think you're, you're seeing those uh, different capabilities on display in, in full force, what we saw. Right. Yeah, now, what, just... what strikes me as a little bit odd, though, is you're talking about deer and caterpillar and, uh, you know, you got tires that are twice the height of Lexi. Um, I thought this was the consumer electronics show. I mean, like, 
what consumers are having these machines like in their living room or controlling, you know, hey, I'm going to control my machine in Arizona. Like what, what was their kind of how do they get there? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. But I think, you know, what they did a number of years ago was actually sort of rebrand it. And it is CES. It's mm-hmm. not the Consumer Electronics Show. Okay. So I think they've like really tried to move away from that. Like uh, Slumberjay is now SLB, right? I mean, a little different, mm-hmm. but right. you know, <laughs> a little different there. But uh, yeah, they're moving away from consumer electronics. Uh, that is not, I would say, the core of what's on display. There's a huge just business and technology uh, perspective to this show, uh, which has been really cool to see, and I think really great for our audience. Maybe they're, you know, they're taking uh, uh, cues from what uh, the, there's hunger for from an invest the investor community, and mm-hmm. going back to having keynote speakers like Nvidia, Netflix, and we're we're really seeing a sort of the pivot to these other areas and industrial is a very hot sector right now and could really weather the storm of the recession in 2023. So I think it, it only makes sense for them to have as big of footprints as they did at this show. Were there any other industrial companies there in addition to Caterpillar and Deer? I don't think there, none that really stood out to me. There, there was, um, so for those that aren't familiar with CES uh, at the convention center area, they opened up a whole new addition to the convention center, which is now just solely automotive and focused. Wow. And it, so it was there. They were in like okay. the automotive area. Yeah. Right. And I mean, there was so much self-driving <laughs> displays, uh, you know, as, as Ali mentioned. And I think really that one thing that kind of stood out was, you know, I think a couple of years ago when we were there, we were there was a lot of talk about you know fully autonomous, and I think as that technology has rolled out, a lot of these companies has maybe realized it's it's maybe a, a few years more off down the road. So you've really seen kind of this focus back onto uh, this assisted driver. I'm really focusing back on the consumers and you know how can we make driving easier. Um, you know a lot of competition for who can be the brains and the eyes of the car. Uh, that, that was one thing I really noticed. So yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, we, we kind of were joking about this, but CES is really kind of becoming an auto show in some sense. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so now you also talked about, uh, or you touched on Lexi, we should say, is the, the metaverse, which again, it seems like, um, you know, it was, what November 2021, and it was it was all about the uh, metaverse, and uh, Facebook changed its name to Meta Platforms and everything, and that was a big thing. Um, and then it just kind of fizzled, like no one, you know, I mean, th- at least in 2022, with a big bear market and chips and everything falling as much as they did, uh, it was kind of like metaverse who. So what was it that kind of stuck out to you about uh, the return of the metaverse along with return of the producers? Right. Well, I I think, you know, there was a lot of hype right around this technology. And I think along with Facebook kind of pivoting and, you know, some of the rollout of of their uh, horizon workflow things, I think a lot of people saw that and it maybe felt a little gimmicky. It looked a little bit like Second Life. But I think, you know, as with all these new technologies that come online, you know, there's going to be a period where you know, it's going to be kind of a free for all, but I think you're going to kind of start seeing emergences of, of these practical use cases. And, and, you know, that, you know, we don't know really where this technology is going. It's it's in such an uh, early stage, right? 
But I think what really stuck out to me, I think, uh, at the show was seeing a, a lot of the hardware, you know, the, the headsets, um, lots of displays there of, uh, you know, people hooking in. Uh, I know our uh, one of our editors and producers, Brie Miller, was able to do a demo where she went to a concert uh, in the metaverse with the headset. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, she had an interesting experience there. It was um, like a 7-Eleven ice cream cone glow stick thing. You could like right. go you grab your, it. yeah, you can't eat it, but you can play with it. Are the, yeah. are the headsets getting a little lighter? Now, because that's one of the things, you know, with the Oculus ones, it's, you know, when you put it on, it's like, wow, this, this is really amazing when you start moving your head around and, it, and it's just picking all everything up digitally. But you know, it gets a little uncomfortable. Yeah, Have it, they started to get a little light, lighter? Yeah, I, I think you're kind of seeing advances in that. But, you know, it's still okay. the, the technology is still a little bit uh, cumbersome, at least in yeah. my opinion. You know, you had to have somebody kind of help you put it on and kind of walk you through. But, um, you know again, I think as we kind of see more iterations and more people adopt this and kind of become more comfortable with it, I, I think you're you're really going to start seeing more applications. And I know a lot of businesses are really exploring and excited of how this can really expand their footprint. And, you know, I think the big thing is how can they directly, you know, meet consumers where they are and get that engagement and feedback. And was it more like virtual reality or augmented reality? Because it seems like a lot of things have been shifted more towards augmented reality where it's just kind of enhancing and adding a little bit more but you're still more in real life versus kind of immersed with the virtual reality right i think you saw a little bit of mix of both uh there but yeah i, I think with um with cisco's the hologram that definitely was ar um you know you could throw up schematics of a car part uh you could move it with your hands you could see it 3d oh. that was really interesting um, but yeah, a lot of these were also, you know, you could see a lot of applications to gaming as far as the virtual reality space. So I think it's a mix. But yeah, I definitely I think you're starting to see that shift towards augmented for sure. You know, there's a picture of me somewhere back in 1994 with a virtual reality headset on. It was probably 15 <laughs> pounds. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was like, I mean, it, it was it was at Disney World and it was one of those things where, I mean, you had to really have some neck muscles to hold your head up. Uh, you can see Arusha smiling. On. He has <laughs> evil plans for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, it feels like there was kind of this shift uh, to remote work and everything like that, how to make that easier. Uh, did you see anything that kind of suggested, hey, you know what, it's not just about remote work anymore and uh, working from home. Was, was there anything that you saw that was kind of showing any shift there? Well, when we spoke with uh, Cisco's head of WebEx, essentially, he had a, a lot of these executives have really long titles. And I'm like, can you just boil it down for me? <laughs> and so I'm probably going to it's probably not the head of WebEx. It's like, you know, experiences and this and that. But no, I mean, fantastic executive with Cisco um, working on a lot of their their WebEx stuff. And AR was something that they were really excited about, but it, so it's the hardware and software. And what they're really trying to crack the code on a couple of things is hybrid work. You're going to have people from home. You're going to have people in the office. How do you make that experience great for everyone uh, with the different environments that you're in and what hardware is needed uh, to make that happen? Even things I, I was like, well, what when are we going to be able to say uh, you're on mute, unmute yourself or, you know, you know, joking around thing, things like that, some of the, some of those pain points. And so it's really interesting to see what um, 
these companies are doing to try to solve some of these modern uh, modern day workplace issues. And then I think the other thing for Cisco is, I mean, there's a lot of competition in that space. You've got Zoom, you've got Microsoft Teams. Uh, so they're really trying to integrate with uh, other offerings. So they want to be integrated with Slack. They want to be able to integrate with Teams. They want to be able to have um, a platform that isn't just confining you that how, how can it be flexible for business needs so that's uh, something that we saw up close and personal that they are working on and then applications wise uh, lexi is exactly right being able to 3d model a race car right. or mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know medical scientific research those are some other applications outside of you know your your day-to-day -day sort of humdrum uh meetings where you're just discussing things verbally or, or sharing presentations, which that is important too, you know, seeing the visuals. So they're also thinking about how can we uh, make you know, what, whatever we're going to see in the future as easy as something today that's, oh, just, you know, share your screen for your slides. What is the sort of the next iteration of that in the future? So that could be pretty interesting to see. Mm -hmm. And we just have to hear what was going on with the $10,000 toilet. Can, can, can yeah, you I'm, just share what that was, Lexi? <laughs> I'm not sure. No, you we, didn't get to see uh, it. We got but... to walk around a little bit. I, I will say, I know, I know probably for Arusha's interest, we did see a uh, robotic bartender that could, it was like a Roomba that could bring you a martini. I think that Without was... spilling it. Yeah. going over Very terrain dangerous. for sure spilling it but they're really there's one other theme though that i think it would be great if we could touch on and that is to dig deeper into briefly automotive it really was all aspects mm -hmm. of the car your hardware your software your chips your sensors everything all areas of the car from autonomy to electric vehicles, to EV charging, and a number of the chip executives that we spoke with, I was like, you know, for your uh, chips, your new technology on Semi, for example, we spoke with them, their silicon carbide chips uh, right. for cars, a lot of applications for, for different aspects of, of the car, but also um, industrial and warehouse sort of applications as well, even uh, I believe for solar panels. But it, it just over and over, we kept hearing these executives say, you know, when I said, what end market do you see the biggest potential? It was cars, electric vehicles, uh -huh. autonomous cars. So over and over and over. And I think the biggest key now is a lot of these executives really laid out very compelling cases for why their industry is set up for success, the very interesting innovations that are happening. And now I think for investors, it's going to be about, okay, who can take that and who can execute this year? Mm -hmm. which companies can deliver on these promises. And ultimately for us as active investors, how are the stocks going to react? Because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Well, you talked about chips. So was there anything else on the chip side? Uh, I, I mean, of course, the, the chips have been a little bit fragmented. We've been seeing some chips that are doing really well. They're above their 50-day moving average lines and some chips that aren't. So Lexi, was there anything that kind of stood out to you on the chip side? Who were the winners and who were the losers in semiconductors? Well, you know, I, I don't know about the, I think Ali kind of uh, summarized that uh, pretty nicely. So I, I won't try to uh, uh, outdo her there, but I, well, I, I guess outside of automotive, you know, outside of automotive. No, I, I think what you're seeing is a lot of, uh, that's the big opportunity right now. And I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, opportunity once, you know, ships that are in EVs that can then move into other products like healthcare, medical, you know, I, I think we're, 
you're going to see various endpoints there. And um, I, I think, too, just a, another thing ab about all this chips and technology, uh, you know, a, a lot of the data and cybersecurity aspects mm -hmm. of that, which, you know, we also got a chance to speak with Palantir and CrowdStrike. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's there's so many, the, the entire ecosystem, I think, is, is really come into focus and there's so much opportunity there. But as Ali said, you know, who are the leaders? Let's see who can actually execute on this. And, um, you know, let's keep an eye on the technicals and, uh, We'll see what's what, you know? Yeah. So uh, just to wrap it up, Allie, your favorite moment at CES 2023. My favorite moment. It's hard to boil it down. I guess I have to say Caterpillar. I guess okay. I have to say Caterpillar. It really was impressive what they had on display. Mm -hmm. And how about I'll you? I'll say like my it? favorite moment. Uh, Allie uh, won big at the Willy Wonka slots. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Oh. <laughs> so I'm sure she'll invest that money wisely. <laughs> well, maybe next year you can invite Arusha and I to uh, CES and we can do our podcast from there and uh, there we can see what kind of trouble we can all get into together. So uh, thank you so much for sharing your experience at CES and uh, uh, informing our listeners on what you saw there. So thanks, thanks a lot, guys. ladies. Bye-bye. Um, okay, when we come back, Arusha and I are going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on with this market. Is this market rally for real? And we'll get into a few stocks that are on our radar. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Apple, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leveraged and inverse ETFs from Directions. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, along with Arusha Pierce from O'Neill Global Advisors. And uh, let's take a look at the market a little bit. So we had our follow through day uh, on January 6th. So that's a positive. Now, the big question is, you know, will this one stick? I mean, we had Jeffrey Hirsch on the show from Stock Traders Almanac, uh, the, the podcast before. That was a great kind of layout of what could be in store for this year. Uh, and, and he has some very positive comments, you know, double digit gains that usually follow bear markets. Um, so I think I think there's reasons to be excited. But is it too early, too soon to know? What, what's your take, Arusha? I, you know, a, a lot of times it is at this point too early to know, which is why we have the fall through day, which is why we have these kind of uh, signals that are as objective as possible to help us get in and, and not let our emotions uh, get the best of us because I, I want to say like even at the the bottom of any kind of market usually your 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 emotions even if you've been doing this for a long time uh, yeah it, it, it's probably not leading you in the right direction uh, so so it yeah it, it is too early to know uh, you want to keep an open mind uh, now CPI the CPI numbers are coming out tomorrow we're recording this on Wednesday and so tomorrow morning uh, they they those numbers will come out. Uh, and right now, you know, the, it seems there are things that are slowly working. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so you have to. So that that I'm kind of been a, a little impressed with uh, the breadth of of the kind of the increase in in, in stocks that are participating. Uh, and then also, everyone's so bearish, as as Jeff was saying last week. Uh, you you, you want to almost be a contrarian. And when you look at the chart, you know, we have the, the S&P 500 chart up here and you can always take a look at, uh, at the video at investors.com slash podcast. 
but I, I want to say like the the last uh, really the last few weeks or the last month of trading here, uh, even though it has been a little volatile around that 3800 level, it seems a little bit more orderly versus the other kind of uh, bottoms that took place back in June and October. It just seems a little bit tighter, a little bit more constructive. And so maybe it's getting, uh, maybe it's setting itself up for for a little bit of a, a little bit more of a rally than people expect. Mm -hmm. Now, one problem that I think we've been facing is okay. We had the very strong uh, follow through day on Friday, and it, it was kind of a strange day, right? Uh, yeah. It's still about economic reports that are coming out, and the day started with the jobs report. It was um, looking strong at the open, uh, went negative for a little while, and then the ISM services uh, report came out, surged you know, into the close. And then Monday, we had another great start, but then a reversal. And uh, you know, it, it felt like today, as strong as the day was, there seemed to be like a lot of reversals in individual stocks. Um, is that something that you're finding with some of the strongest uh, leaders out there? Uh, kind of a little bit of a hesitancy, especially at, you know, I mean, here we are on the indexes at prior areas of resistance right ahead of the CPI report. You know, um, is, yeah. is that a concern? For sure. Yeah, I, I feel like today, as strong as it felt, the, the, it was really led by lagging stocks. Uh, and, and stocks, it was almost a reversion to the mean stocks that had gotten hammered. They had their moment in the sun. Uh, one of the one of the top stocks in uh, on my screen was Dutch Brothers, you know, ticker symbol BROS. Uh, and that was up 9% today. It was almost up 10% intraday, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, and, and this, you, you know, when you when I if I switch over to the weekly chart, I mean, it, it's been it's been a pretty tough uh been a tough six months for this stock it's been gotten hit quite a bit uh, and so i want to say but you know when i look at the year to date it's the year to date we're only we're only in the second week right, uh, right. Of, of this year it's already up almost 27 percent year to date <laughs> right so uh -huh. so it just seems like those were the type of stocks uh the ones that aren't really earning too much money that are really expensive i mean dutch brothers has a pe ratio of 234 uh, it, it seemed like they, those were the ones leading, and so it, it made it made it really kind of tricky this market, where the ones that were doing well, they were kind of doing those uh, downside reversals today. Yeah, and you know another thing that has been kind of interesting is um, it's a little bit of a return of the Nasdaq. Uh, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average has been the one to watch lately, uh, especially since the October lows, which by the way, coincided with the CPI report, um, you know, as did, yeah. I think, the top <laughs> coincided with another CPI report. Um, but, you know, here we are, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was leading, but now the NASDAQ, um, at least in terms of since the follow through day, it seems like that's been the one that's had a little bit heavier, uh, heavier move to the upside, uh, a little bit stronger. Um, so do you think that there's a sector rotation? I mean, we've been focused on a lot of these industrial stocks but is this going to be a little bit more return of the tech i don't know i mean it, it, i think it's a little too early to tell for that uh too because there aren't that a lot there aren't tons of tech stocks that are right near new highs breaking right. out and that you know they're they're kind of no overhead supply and so they're kind of free in the clear to kind of trend well 
it just seems like they all kind of, a lot of them look more like the Dutch brothers where they've been hammered. Mm-hmm. They're kind of, they fell maybe below so far below the 200 day moving average or the 50 day moving average. And they're, they're coming back up to those to test them again. Uh, so like, yeah, the, the cues, I pulled up the cues here year to date for the cues, 4.23% for the diamonds DIA, which represents the, the Dow Jones, uh, that's on, that's up two and a half percent, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I want to say only. I mean, it's a pretty good start for the Dow Jones, right, right. too. <laughs> but but yeah, it just seems like the it, the the lagging index, the the Nasdaq, where most of the damage or a lot of the damage has taken place. That's the one. That's maybe it's short. It might. It's probably a lot of short covering, which is my guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want to say like Carvana was up. Let's see, Car- Carvana was up only twenty four percent today. Right, so it, you can't I mean, even see it because the, the chart exactly. is so compressed because exactly. of how demolished it got. Uh, yeah, so so yeah. I I feel like we saw a number or even what Bed Bath and Beyond, right? Um, mm-hmm. That was up sixty eight percent today, right? So so you're having a lot of these kind of short covering, a little bit of news comes out to the positive side or or something, or maybe they're cutting uh, going bankrupt, they're cutting some jobs mm-hmm. like that, and. And it's kind of running in the shorts and forcing them. And actually, you know, Bed Bath and Beyond right now is up another almost twenty percent after hours. Wow! Uh, mm-hmm. But this is obviously this is not a stock that we're gonna we would consider you know in a long, long time. But it got hammered so much. It's eighty-eight percent off its fifty-two week highs. It got hammered so much that you're having these kind of vicious, vicious uh, uh, reversals, and it's up one hundred and sixty-six percent for the week. Uh, this mm-hmm. week, and it's only Wednesday. Yeah, right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, in addition to the CPI report that's coming out, we've also got earnings season. And, um, you know, if you, if you just look in MarketSmith, uh, it seems like the estimates going forward in 2023, you're seeing a lot of things that aren't looking great. Um, so I feel like the last couple earnings seasons, it's really been about the companies kind of getting ahead of ahead of the game, lowering expectations enough so that when the earnings season comes around, they could actually try and uh, surprise with, oh, we weren't as bad as we thought we would be. Um, what what do you, what's your projection for this, this earnings season? Um, do you expect to see kind of more of the same or uh, do you think, do you think this could be offering some catalyst that, hey, things are not as bad as they seem? I mean, it seems like the market's setting itself up for that kind of things that are not as bad as it seems. But I've, here's the thing. Pretty much everyone's assuming that Q1 of 2023 is just going to be bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like they've been able to kind of hide it for 2022, you know, get, get through the holiday season by boosting sales, especially like retailers and things like that, boosting sales by having promoting everything and, and just trying to get rid of a lot of the inventory that built up. Uh, and and now's kind of where the the, the moment of truth or you know, everything is unveiled, where they're re- they're struggling more than people realize. Uh, but everyone, that's kind of the consensus for everyone. So kind of like what Jeff was saying last week, everyone is assuming the first half of 2023 is going to be bad. Uh, that maybe it's already baked in the charts, right? And this is all you know. We'll we'll just have to wait and see, but. Uh, we're going to get a good idea. I mean, JP Morgan, we, I just pulled this chart up right here. Uh, this broke out of a flat base uh, yeah. over the last couple of days, right? And it's been trending well. And, and the XLF, for the most part, over the last few months has been acting 
pretty well. So I, I, I'm not sure. I have, I never know. I never try to guess how these, these stocks are going to, uh, what, how they're going to report. Are they going to hit their earnings or not? I always look at the reactions. Right. And, and that's going to tell me, uh, that that's going to give me the kind of information that I need. So, so we'll find out, especially on Friday when a lot of the JP Morgan and a number of these other a number financial of firms r- report, mm-hmm. right. We'll, we'll find out a little bit more how, how mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, and just kind of reading between the lines, uh, I, I, I sounds like we're still looking at a time where we need to be patient. We need to let that market tell us, Hey, what direction are you truly going to be in? I mean, we're seeing some, promising green shoots, but it's probably too early to declare victory uh, at this point. So we have to kind of wait. And you often use the phrase, let the market pull you in. Um, So we are seeing some more setups out there. There were certainly a number of reversals this week so far. Um, You know, the the CPI could add some volatility uh, to to the mix. Um, But any, any kind of game plan that you have uh what what kind of things are going to tell you hey you know what this this one might be for real or um are you going to still play it light um maybe one more test of that 200 day moving average line another kind of drop and then uh you get more interested well you know it's funny i generally i'm not looking at the indexes to kind of tell me it's more the individual stocks Mm -hmm. and and so there have been some there have been there have been some stocks that have been acting well so it really has slowly slowly pulled me in i have a couple of pilot positions right now because i'm being being extra i'm still being cautious uh because i want to see if i can get traction so i for some of those stocks that i bought getting i am actually getting a little bit of traction so really in any kind of rally that turned out to be a pretty good rally those first few weeks if it's not obvious and we're not already in a pretty strong market i, I go in light i'm slowly pulled in and then all of a sudden, every few days, there's another opportunity to buy another stock. And right. then every few days, another opportunity. And then within a few weeks, three to four weeks, all of a sudden, you're like, wow, you know, I'm pretty invested mm-hmm. in this. And then the market takes off, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing some progress. So the first three, four weeks, you get as you're getting invested, you're still unclear because you're making a little bit of progress, but you're not making that much progress that you know that it could easily give it all back but finally once it gets going after that first month now you're like wow you know i'm so i'm glad that i kind of listened to the market and slowly got pulled in yeah and that'll be the key test because before we would have kind of like the the strong month in like march or in in july through a little bit of august and then uh things would fizzle so uh we'll we'll just have to see how things end up um are they continuing to get strong uh if if this rally is for real or do we run into that resistance again? So uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the individual stocks that are on our radar and how we might be handling this rally on the individual stock level. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Tesla, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, along with Arusha Pires, O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager. Um, let's talk a little bit about the stocks that we've been seeing uh, setting up. And again, there's still that question of 
is there some sector rotation going on? I mean, we've certainly seen uh, some of the areas that were 2022 standouts like uh, oil and gas names and things like that that have been taking a hit lately. Um, some of the healthcare names, uh, you know, have been have been, you know, really dropping. But let's talk about some of the areas that are showing strength. And steel is one. Uh, so maybe we take a look at Nucor, ticker symbol NUE. Uh, and of course, you know, for those of you that are uh, listening to this, um, we, we do go over some charts and sometimes we'll, we're, we'll mark them up and talk about some different levels. And you can always find that at investors.com slash podcast. I should also mention that since we had Ali and Alexis on earlier, um, you know, speaking of videos, uh, be on the lookout for some of those videos that they're going to have dropping throughout uh, the next few days uh, from their time at CES, both on their YouTube channels uh, at investors.com. And it sounds like they're hitting all the social media, TikTok and you name it. But let's get back to Nucor uh, and, and Steel. So we've got a nice uh, cup base here. And, you know, one of the things that's been a little bit tricky, I feel like, has been the volume. Um, volume has been lacking in, in some of the individual stocks. But I feel like with Nucor, if you switch over to the daily chart, uh, we at least got some very strong volume here recently. Um, and as, as we cross that 150 level. So what's what's your take on this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's necessarily a nice cup. Um, right. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it is starting to build some kind of cup and uh, it's been having some trouble around that 150-ish type of area, a little bit less than that. And mm -hmm. it's, start, it's starting to make a little bit of progress there. So yeah, it got past kind of that 147, 146 area made a little bit of progress a month ago came back in tested found support on the uh, 200 day moving average and now is right back up near that 154 area trying again um so so yeah so it, it's slowly kind of making its progress here i i still think the jury's still out right it, it came down on higher volume uh last time it tried to get up to 154 and then came back in and tested that 200 day yeah, they had a 6.1 million shares trade right there. It's a pretty big increase in volume. It's coming up on a little bit less volume, a little bit higher than average, as you said, Justin. Um, so maybe if it pulls back again on mm -hmm. lighter volume, it might be able to set up, maybe find support around that 147 area uh, that it broke through. Uh, it's broken through a couple of times now. Uh, so it's starting to act a little bit better. Relative strength lines right near uh, 52 week highs uh, and... It, so it has a chance here. It has a chance, uh, but I, I think that the jury's still out on, on uh, with this stock. Right. And what I like about some of these uh, bases that I'm seeing recently is you've you've got some very deep bases. So if, if you hover over that base in MarketSmith, uh, this is one of the features I really like. Uh, the pattern recognition it. it it does the calculation for you um, and 47 percent. I mean, that's that's pretty, pretty deep. And you can see it. It happened very quickly. This wasn't just like a long drawn out uh, drop of 50 percent. It was it, it happened pretty quickly. Um, but now that we're rounding out and I guess what interests me is when you've got a base that that is that deep, but then it starts tightening up. So, you know, it it, it kind of comes up and then it comes down again. But, you know, it, it doesn't fall as much. Uh, it comes up, you know, goes into new high ground, comes down again, gets support at the 200-day moving average line, just really doesn't give up a lot of those gains that it made. And that, I guess, that action of getting tighter 
as opposed to how wide and loose it was before yeah. is is constructive um but as you said you kind of almost have to let it play out a little bit you know is is this going to be tight here um you know is it is going to make some progress or ideally does it kind of dr drift off right here and then uh you kind of have this completed tight tight pattern uh, that it can that can really break out of. I guess the thing that worries me about a lot of stocks right now is um, they've some of them have come up so strongly so quickly. You feel like they almost have to take a break uh, at, right. at some point, you know? Because I mean, look at that. It's it's come up from what like 130 to 150 in just a few days. Um, so you start wondering, okay, does it you know does it just have to pause a little bit? Um, you know, it's already you know 10 percent. Uh, almost above its 50-day moving average line, and it just crossed it <laughs> two days ago. So, yeah, it, it I, and it does this fall in the category of some of the other stocks that we've seen over the last week, where now it's not not exactly in the the same category because this has been working on some kind of base. But when you look at a lot of the other stocks that were rebounding very powerfully, but they were already hammered for for mm -hmm. for a long time, right? It's a more reversion to mean. Is this more of a beneficiary of that? So um, I'm not sure if it is necessarily, but it has that kind of five day run that it's had here kind of looks like those. I mean, in the last week, it's up like 7%. Year to date, it's up over 17%. Mm -hmm. it, needs a, it needs a little bit of a lighter pullback. But as you said, you know, if it keeps getting tighter and tighter, and we used to, you know, years ago, Justin, when we, we, did, we did a seminar years ago, and one of the, the presentation I gave, the topic I gave was faulty to constructive, right? It just kind yeah. of goes through this process, and, and the stock gets more and more constructive, gets tighter and tighter, and then eventually kind of works out. Uh, when 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 everything kind of lines up so mm -hmm. maybe that's like you said maybe that is what's happening to Nucor, and they just might need a little more time mm -hmm. now are you paying attention at all to kind of like the macro economics on this i mean i usually think of that as being a little bit above my pay grade doing that yeah. kind of analysis but you know certainly with um a recession you know that a lot of people are expecting you know that yield curve has been inverted for a long time um you know uh the the hikes uh have been you know, to such a degree that it's it's expected that it's going to cause some type of recession. The hope is that it can be a soft landing, but usually you don't think of steel and industrial stocks doing well if a recession is coming. But on the other hand, you've got China over here that's uh, basically shifting away from their zero tolerance COVID policy, uh, a lot more opening up. Um, how much how much weight are you putting on those fundamental things, or does it just come down to the chart for you? Well, the the macros, the macro stuff, and I've, I've paid over the last year, paid paid more a lot more attention to macro, and um, but and, and what I've found though, Justin, is that it in the end it really does add a lot more noise. Yeah. And it, from from my opinion, is it, it really is all baked in the the, the chart. Uh, now, yeah, with a lot of commodities, it, the big the big runs they had over the last year or so, you you could argue that. That's the kind of the end. That was the end of the cycle. A lot of times, at the end of a, a larger cycle, the commodities start running, kind of like two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that go on the the big runs, and they start falling apart as a recession comes into play. Uh, and and so yeah, so I, I'm aware of it, but in the end, you, you know, when you when I look at it, something like a new core, it's like yeah, it's forming a cup here and things like that. But is this really one of the best? 
charts and best stocks that that I could buy into, especially when I'm being a little bit more cautious, right? It's even though we've had that fall through day and and things are slowly working, I'm still more in the caution kind of mode, not the aggressive mode. And so I'm, I'm being even more selective. And so when we kind of when I start seeing the number of the, the flaws that we've kind of talked about here with Nucor, where it needs probably just needs a little bit more time, this would be more of a kind of like let's put let's put it on the the watch list and, and keep watching it and and not necessarily take any action on it just now right and it's always also worth looking at when something like this comes on your radar taking a look at the group strength this is number 10 out of 197 so sometimes it's worth it to just kind of take a look at some of the other names in the group because um, sometimes you might find hey there's there's something that that looks better uh, speaking of groups that are looking strong uh, i was kind of surprised by how many insurance stocks are still coming up on my screens uh i i was running some screens and um you know, usually think of insurance as more defensive. And if, if we're really going to be, you know, starting to move out of this, uh, you, you'd expect a little bit more of a shift away from insurance. But I feel like I'm still seeing a number of insurance names. And AON is one of the ones that has recently come up on my list. Uh, what, what's your take on this one? Yeah, this, this is uh, one of the larger insurance uh, brokers out there. And uh, now I think that this space is more constructive versus mm -hmm. the new core. Uh, it's, it just seems like it's a little bit more orderly. Now, we, we have it out here on a, a, a weekly chart. Uh, when, when you look at the volume, though, it, it's amazing at how many more down volumes above average down volume uh, weeks there are versus up volume. Uh, and so maybe hopefully that characteristic cha changes because I, I think that's a little bit of a concern there. Uh, it did undercut and kind of reset the base. So I think that's a positive. You had a little bit of a, a shake out there. And this is going to be a little bit slower mover. Now getting more towards kind of the macro theme or a kind of the bigger picture you know, with interest rates rising, a lot of these insurance companies, both the, the providers and the brokers, they should uh, they should benefit from the rises because they can take all that those premiums that we pay right. for. First, they can increase the prices on the premiums, but mm -hmm. uh, then take all that money and then invest it in bonds that are now paying a, more of a yield uh, versus a year ago. And so they're they are set to make more money. And the market has been, and which is why a lot of these insurance companies have been doing pretty well over the last year because the market anticipated that as they saw rates started to increase. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of rates, okay, so you've got, uh, you know, the 10-year Treasury yield has been, you know, has, has come down quite a bit uh, recently, and um, but it's still well elevated off of its lows. And so a lot of people have been looking at the interplay between those higher rates, um, what that does to growth stocks, because we certainly saw in 2022, uh, the high yields, uh, you know, I mean, it discounts future cash flows and all of that. So it changes the valuation and high PE stocks generally get punished. Now, Aon is a PE ratio of 23. New core that we just looked at was five. So is PE ratio something that you're taking into consideration? I feel like um, as, as much as the high PE stocks were getting punished in 2022, I feel like there's a little bit more forgiveness out there right now. Yeah, maybe right now, right? It can always hard. change. <laughs> it's so hard because these markets are don't trend that well that mm -hmm. it seems like every four to six weeks it reverses and, and changes its mind and does something else. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I, I am paying a little bit more attention 
to towards the PE and trying to be in stocks that are profitable, right? And and sh actually, you know, uh, they have like shown a nice little history of earnings and things like that. And not buying the the stocks that we were buying in 2020, where yeah. you know we're going more on the story and the sales and right. uh, the kind of the game changing potential. So yeah, I think the markets have forced all of us to become a little bit more conservative with our picking just because the environment's changed and and the 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 previous kind of stocks the previous leaders they're no longer leaders they let they've they've been hammered over the last year and a half so uh yeah so I, I am paying a little bit more attention to that and there will come a time when you start seeing it reverse again but it, it just seems like a lot of those stocks just need a lot of time to to really repair mm-hmm now, on the fundamental side, it's worth mentioning that Aon here has um, an EPS rating of 92. That means it's outperformed 92% of all the other companies out there in terms of its earnings per share growth, uh, both on the current last few quarters and the annual method. Um, but also, it's worth noting that EPS growth rate of 14%, uh, that's that's you know, it's not, it's net spectacular, but that's decent. And the earning stability is three. Yeah. So yeah. it's, um, you know, it, it, I, and I, again, I, I, that's probably not unusual for an insurer, but um, a, a three, the lower the number, that number goes from one to 99 on the earning stability and the lower the number, the more stable the earnings are. So the fact that this has got such a high EPS rating and, you know, a fairly decent uh, earnings growth rate with that kind of stability is is something that is is pretty impressive yeah and and it's just reflective of of where investors have gone over the last year plus right they're like look i, I don't necessarily want to i'm not expecting huge returns on my stocks anymore i just don't mm -hmm. want to lose money yeah. right i just want to slowly uh, you know uh, earn money um and and so these are the kind of places where it's like look just give me something that's they're going to meet their earnings. They're not. They're not going to be huge surprises here, and they're actually earnings money. Mm -hmm. Now, let's take a little bit of a different shift. And retail has been one of this, these areas that just has seemed like it's gotten so fragmented. I keep on seeing some areas that are showing such strength, others that aren't. Um, and also related to this, I, I couldn't be more surprised that the home builders are are doing you know, so much better. Um, if you just take a look at like XHB, which is the home builder ETF, um, that's that's been looking much stronger. Some of the, you know, names in there, Pulte Homes and DR Horton and so on. But on the retail side, uh, sometimes we shift our attention to like some of the home furnishers, uh, you know, your RH, your Aarhus and Ethan Allen Interiors, ticker symbol ETD. Now this is a thinner name. Uh, it only trades about 315,000 shares a day and it's a $30 stock, but um, this is just a really nice constructive looking base here. Yeah, it, it this is almost, and in, in, it, it is kind of similar to that faulty to constructive uh, concept that we were, we were talking about earlier, where you, you can see here on, on the weekly chart, it went, it went months with, and it was kind of going sideways here, but it went mm -hmm. months without really a pattern being picked up. Then it, then it, pattern recognition picked up a, a large kind of cup broke out of it and now it's formed a more constructive cup right these are more the this is a nine-week cup yeah depth of 15 percent right these are more of the kind of 
classic kind of cups that we want to see where they're not they're, they're not spending too much time basing they spend a couple mm-hmm. months and then they try to go again there's but in good markets right a lot of the great growth stocks you'll see cups like this it doesn't now this is not necessarily the same kind of um, type of stock here but uh, but it, i i was pretty surprised at how uh, constructive the the trading has has taken place here and so yeah i was just going through the the near pivot list on MarketSmith, and and this kind of just stuck out to me. And they actually have some earnings and sales, and their quarterly earnings and sales are, are positive right now. And 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 it's kind of weird because when you with all the mortgage rates going up and and things like that, you just assume that that whole industry was going to really uh, really start to to get hit, and and the stocks weren't going to do well. But the market always has, you know, it's always looking forward. Mm-hmm. And and I guess it's saying like, OK, maybe people aren't going to buy new houses. They'll hang on to the one they have. Maybe they'll just refurnish that, use the money that they have to refurnish it instead of buying a new house. And, and, upgrade, and you're starting huh? to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're starting to see <laughs> the charts Upgrade there. the inside. <laughs> rather exactly. Than the exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, to your point, I, I, one of the things I think that just really stuck out to me about that previous base um, was that it, it had a 30% depth, which uh, that, that didn't bother me too much, but the right. handle was 21% deep. It just seemed like so excessive. Yeah. Um, but then, as you mentioned, this this one is just nice, tight, much shorter. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, we do have some really ugly looking estimates, uh, you know, going forward. You know, you, uh, you have a, a June fiscal year here. So um, whereas a lot of companies just ended their fiscal year in December, uh, this one is going to end its fiscal year in June, um, expecting a loss here for for the end of that fiscal year. Uh, not not a loss, excuse me, just uh, negative growth. Uh, mm-hmm. So not not growing as much. You see that negative nine percent for the estimate. Um, so still profitable at three three dollars and fifty six cents, but down from three dollars and ninety three cents the year before. And the next year getting hit even harder. Uh, earnings per share coming down to three dollar for the estimates. Um, so again we're, we're seeing a lot of this where the estimates are coming down um you know you're you're seeing the earnings uh but you know the profits kind of fall a little bit um that's that's kind of anti-can slim right where, where you want to see growth you want to see those blue numbers you want to see the big numbers uh so how do you kind of reconcile that with the setups being in these areas that don't necessarily look like they will will be able to sustain those growth numbers yeah so so really kind of the concept of canceling is look when the when the markets are are when everything really isn't lined up and when you aren't seeing a lot of great growth stocks lining up you shouldn't have too much exposure to the market right yeah. so so really kind of the way i reconcile is i notice an ethan allen i've added to a watch list, but i'm not necessarily buying it at this point I'm I'm just noticing. Wow, there are a number of home furnishing stocks that have been acting. They're starting to act a little bit better. Maybe I should do more research into them. So so that's kind of how I do it. Where really a lot of times when the markets aren't when the markets aren't are, are struggling or are still trying to figure out, they might not necessarily be going down, but they're now trying to figure out. Okay, is this uptrend going to work? Mm-hmm. That's where you you get a little bit of exposure and you're you're kind of letting the market slowly pull you in and you're being that much more selective so maybe as opposed to like a 2020 where things were working really well and you're making a lot of progress and you have 
lot more room to play with, right? You 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 have more profit to play with, right? Yeah. Maybe at that point, I'm, I might have taken a shot at this, right? Where it's yeah. like, oh, you know, this looks pretty good. Let me let me let me try to. Uh, take a little bit of shot to see if I can get something out of this. It kind of like I tried that like with a Redfin, you know, it, mm-hmm. where you know in 2020, where it's like you know it kind of lined up, formed formed a base. I tried it and it worked really well. Um, but in this kind of market, it's like nah, you know, let me try some stocks that I I believe I understand the stories a lot more. The numbers look and these numbers actually look pretty solid. But yeah. as you said, this is a little bit more thin in the market capitalizations under a billion for for mm-hmm. this one so it's like let's just put it on the watches and observe and see if there really is a road if this rotation continues because a number of the home home stocks as we, we we spoke about earlier have been doing uh well does mm-hmm. that continue and and is this really the best one of the group to to really be in yeah and you know to your point look 2020 uh, you could get away with not having as much discipline. You know, right. you, you kind of, you could you could throw your shot out there and uh, almost everything was working. So it, it was it was not too punishing. Um, that's not quite been the market that we've been in lately. So uh, thanks so much for your comments here, Arusha, and your analysis as always. And uh, thank you also to Ali and Alexis for joining us. And remember, you can just be on the lookout for their continued coverage of their time in Las Vegas for the CES show. Uh, we'll be back next week, and we're going to have David Keller, Chief Market Strategist from StockCharts.com. Uh, you know, he's he's doing some great analysis all the time on different stock charts. And so it'll be great to kind of pick his brain a little bit uh, to find out what he's seeing in the markets and with individual names as well. So we hope you join us for that next week. Thank you so much for watching the show this week, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.